Welcome to today's edition of the Career 100 podcast. This series is designed to introduce students to different career options that are in demand and share the path each practitioner has taken to arrive in their current position. Well, what gets me up in the morning is just the ability to interact with so many great people and having the idea that every day I can go and sort of make a difference in somebody's quality of life. I think that's the most rewarding part of our profession. This is Felicia Gopal. I want to thank everyone for joining us today and welcome to today's podcast and interview. Today we're continuing our series on the top 100 careers and this time we'll be featuring a physical therapist. This career is often an important part of the rehabilitation and treatment of patients with chronic conditions and injuries. Physical therapists typically work in private offices, clinics, hospitals, and nursing homes. They spend much of their time on their feet actively working with patients. All states require physical therapists to be licensed, and you typically need a doctoral degree in physical therapy. In 2010, there were 198,600 jobs for physical therapists, and this number is likely to increase about 39% between now and 2020, which is at a much faster rate than the average for all other professions. Demand for physical therapy will come in large part from aging baby movers like myself who are staying active later in life than previous generations did. Today's guest believes that physical therapists have a very rewarding career, both professionally and emotionally. They have knowledge and professionalism, which significantly impacts a patient's quality of life, and for him, this is rewarding. Today's guest is physical therapist Stephen Jovanovich. He's board certified in orthopedics and has a orthopedic certified specialist credential through the American Physical Therapy Association. The nature of what he does as a professional is multifaceted. He's a clinician first and foremost. He examines, evaluates, and treats patients with musculoskeletal dysfunctions in his clinic and manages the daily operations for the physical therapist, occupational therapist, and speech therapist services for adults and pediatrics in one of Loyola's offices in Hickory Hills, Illinois. Friends, here is... Loyola University Medical Center physical therapist, Stephen Jovanovich. Stephen, it's my pleasure to welcome you to today's call. Thanks so much for having me. All right, great. So tell me about how you became a physical therapist. Well, I started doing some volunteer work as an undergrad when I attended Loyola University in Chicago to get sort of my feet wet and see if this was an area that I really wanted to venture into. And that is a recommendation of mine is that many younger, you know, students that are doing undergrad work to definitely get out there, volunteer in outpatient clinics in the hospital, skilled nursing facilities to see if this is a career that you want to venture into. After my volunteer work, I definitely felt that this was an area that I had a, a lot of interest in and a passion for. So I applied to a PT school after I got my bachelor's degree and attended Northwestern and got my doctorate there and been working as an outpatient orthopedic clinician for probably the last nine years now. Okay. So, you know, since you and I first met, I've actually started going to a physical therapy. I ended up doing something. I had no idea what the heck I ended up doing. But all of a sudden, I could not raise my right arm above a certain point. 
My uh, doctor actually thought that I had a frozen shoulder, and that did not sound good. <laughs> but <laughs> it turns out that I had really just strained it. But I've been working with a physical therapist because one of the things that has been true for me for a long time is that I often have pain in that particular shoulder. Okay. And if I ever go to a massage therapist, and, you know, I'm having that person work on that shoulder out of, you know, the hour, they might spend 15 minutes just working on that shoulder. I carry a right. lot of my stress in that. So when I started working with this physical therapist, one of the things that she told me is it's partly because of how I hold my body. And right. so a lot of the angst that I've been experiencing over the last couple of years has really been because that's how I hold my body. So, you know, as right. I'm sitting here talking with you, I'm sitting here, I'm trying to sit up straight, I'm trying to remember to roll right, my right. pelvis, I'm trying to do all the sort of stuff that they've kind of talked to me about. So what sorts of other problems does a physical therapist solve? Well, in addition to a lot of the musculoskeletal things like you had mentioned in, you know, your case, like your shoulder, you know, pain and discomfort, physical therapists treat a variety of conditions, you know, from post-surgical patients to orthopedic sprain strains, overuse injuries. Physical therapists see patients that have neurological dysfunction, uh, you know, say they've suffered a stroke and have Parkinson's disease or multiple sclerosis. They'll see people with uh, lymphedema issues, say, after mastectomies and things like that. Physical therapists see patients that, you know, had burns, amputees, you know, even problem with your jaw. It's a joint, and, and, and we treat it. Uh, you know, balance and gait training problems, vestibular problems. You know, there are quite a few, large amount of areas that, that physical therapists specialize in. And really what we do, like in your case, where we use your pain and improve your function, but overall, by doing that, we're hoping to improve your quality of life and sort of return you back to your prior level of function. So that's really our main goals. So it's to help us with whatever pain and discomfort we have, as well as return us back as closely as possible to a level of ease about how we move. Correct, correct. I think we definitely consider ourselves like movement scientists. So we evaluate how you move. Is the way that you're moving, you know, in accordance with the way the body should move and sort of the, you know, the kinematics behind how that happens. And, you know, we can go ahead and evaluate and examine the body and then we can develop treatment plans to, you know, get the body to move in the right way. And therefore, you know, decreasing pain, improving mobility, you know, strength, balance, that kind of thing. And then, and, you know, overall that helps in improving function. Absolutely. So are there any common myths or misconceptions about being a physical therapist? I would say that the two main things that we hear in the field, and it's probably more from the older generation that comes in for therapy services is, you know, did you have to go to school for this? <laughs> um, and, you know, yes, we did. We had to go for quite a long time. Or, you know, do you guys do mostly massage? And, you know, we do implement uh, manual therapy techniques or massage techniques within our treatment plans, but we don't just do, you know, massage therapy. We leave that to the massage therapist to do. We incorporate, you know, certain massage techniques into our treatment plan. But I would say that those are probably two of the main ones that we hear about from many of our older generation of patients. Got it. So is there a particular career structure? You talked about getting your undergraduate degree and then you talked mm -hmm. about getting your doctorate degree. You know, is there any other education that's kind of required in order to work in the physical therapy field? 
Okay, the way that things stand now is they eliminated the bachelor's degree in physical therapy in the year 2002, and most of the programs that were in the country were master's programs and have transitioned to the doctorate program. Currently, there's only a handful of master's programs remaining out of the 200 and some PT schools. I, I want to say there's only probably you know four or five master's programs left, and by the year 2016, all programs that are accredited in the United States for physical therapy have to have transitioned to the doctorate level. So those students will graduate with a doctor of physical therapy degree. You then take your state licensure exam, and once you're licensed, you're licensed to practice. Now, with that said, you know, many therapists need to maintain a certain amount of continuing education hours to maintain their license, and many specialize in many different areas. So the American Physical Therapy Association has many specialties, for instance, uh, orthopedics, women's health, geriatrics, cardiopulmonary, pediatrics, you know, wound care. There's a lot of different specialties that you can go and take continuing education for to achieve, but it's not a requirement to perform your job, but if it's a credential that you're looking to obtain, you definitely have more credibility in treating that population, and you know, patients may seek those services out from a specialist. So that's the current structure of how things are right now. Okay. So if you had the opportunity to give a young Stephen advice, what advice would you give yourself today, knowing what you know now, if you were coming into the profession of physical therapist? Okay, that's a great question. Uh, a couple things would be, you know, first and foremost is definitely have a passion for what you do. I would make sure that many people that go into physical therapy, you know, truly enjoy interacting and, and working with people. And you can get that experience with your volunteer hours. So that's the first recommendation that I have. You know, second is as you are a physical therapist and you get more into the field, you realize that a lot more to physical therapy than just patient care. There's a lot of, you know, insurance issues and things that go on with, you know, providing care. And those are things that I didn't sort of know or realize when I was first practicing and that I'm, you know, getting more familiar with now. Yeah, so those are probably two of the main things of advice that I would give to younger clinicians, making sure that this is something that you definitely want to do by getting a lot of experience beforehand by volunteering in a number of different settings. And then second is sort of, you know, realizing that you you can't fix everybody and, you know, there's a lot more to physical therapy than just patient care. And unfortunately, sometimes the insurance industry sort of affects that. Well, I think that that's true for a lot of professions. You know, there is the entree and, you know, when you fall in love with a new profession, you learn, you know, a certain level. But once you've kind of been in it, you realize, you know, there's some gaps in what I need to know and you go back. And I'm a big proponent for lifelong learning. And it sounds like physical therapy is really one of those professions that really kind of encourages that in order to stay active as well as to be a better clinician, both at the practice level and really at the practical level when you're working with individuals. Absolutely. I mean, we stress, you know, evidence-based practice in really, you know, the American Physical Therapy Association's sort of a vision, and it's stressed in everyday practice. And really, you know, evidence is always changing. You know, new research is always coming out. New treatments and techniques are always being studied. And, you know, we have to stay on top of that or, you know, the profession sort of just passes you by. So definitely it's a, a profession that has, you know, lifelong learning involved with it. Okay, great. So what gets you up in the morning to serve your client? And then the opposite question, of course, is what keeps you up at night when you're working with clients? 
Well, what gets me up in the morning is uh, just the ability to interact with so many great people and having the idea that every day I can go and sort of make a difference in somebody's quality of life. I think that's the most rewarding part of our profession. Like in your instance, you know, helping you reduce your pain in your shoulders so you can get back to those activities that maybe you aren't able to do right now. That's an amazing feeling to be able to help you get back to doing those things is sort of what gets me up in the morning. What keeps me up at night is those patients that you know, get frustrated with or struggle with in, in helping their condition. Sometimes it's out of your control. Sometimes uh, you sort of bang your head against the wall to see if there's anything else that you can do or any other alternatives that you can provide. You know, maybe the treatment plan that you came up with needs to be modified or changed to maybe help this patient more than anything. You know, you do want to come into this field, you know, wanting to fix everybody. And, and you realize that, you know, you're not going to be able to, but I think what gets you up is the option that, you know, you can help quite a few people improve their function. Perfect. And so the other side of it, it was keeps you up at night. That is more probably of all the other aspects, you know, that go against sort of the patient care is uh, the insurance companies, you know, more and more are, are limiting visits and limiting visit numbers and, and how much dollar amounts patients get for therapy services. It's something that gets frustrated because we try to justify medical necessity and you know, patients need these services, and unfortunately, you know, politics and laws get in the way of that sometimes, and that's probably one of the most frustrating things is, you know, it seems like everybody's trying to sort of cut back and cut down on things, but that's probably what keeps me up at night. Yeah, you know, it's funny that you should say that because that was one of the things that uh, the physical therapist that I'm working with was talking about is sometimes you need, if you were to design the ideal plan, if you will, for service, you know, it might require three times visits for, you know, six months or whatever, but the right. insurance company says, no, you can do two times a week and you can do it for three months, you know, and it's right, just like, right, that, exactly. that's, you know, you're basically telling them that they're going to be able to get half well as opposed right. to getting fully functioning. So, and, and, it, and it's not individualized either. What, what the insurance companies do is come up with these evidence-based guidelines. So they say, okay, for an ankle sprain, you know, we've polled 100 patients that have had an ankle sprain, and the average amount of visits that it took for that patient to get better with an ankle sprain was five. So that's what they give you, and they don't put it on an individual patient basis where maybe this patient really does need more than five, and this patient may need less than five. It's sort of this average generalization, and it, it gets frustrating because we want to treat each patient individually on a one-on-one -on -one basis and give them the best you know, quality care that we can, and unfortunately, they set up these sort of general guidelines in terms of visit numbers and visit volumes that, uh, you know, sort of limit what we can do sometimes. I can completely understand that. I've been in the insurance industry and been dealing with the insurance industry for years, so I've got a first-hand knowledge and understanding of how they make the decisions, and I understand why they do it the way that they do, but as a clinician, I imagine it can be a little bit frustrating when the level of care that one person needs is very different from the level of care that another person needs, and you've still got to fit within the guidelines of what they're going to compensate you for. Right, right, exactly, yep. You know, as uh, somebody who wants to give and share, we want to do all that we can, but, you know, sometimes the limitations of the system keeps us from being able to do that. Right, right. So what changes are going on in your industry that a person considering the profession needs to be aware of? You talked about the fact that they're starting to move towards almost all the PT schools are now going to require a doctorate. Are there any mm -hmm. other changes that are kind of going on in the industry? 
You know, I think those are the main ones, which I think most of the changes that are happening are positive, are great. I mean, I think there's, like you had mentioned in your introduction, there's so much growth that's going to be occurring over the next few years for physical therapy. So it's a field that, you know, has good job security. There's definitely room for growth. You know, PT schools, most of them are increasing enrollment. One of the things is is that it is a very competitive field. I teach at a local physical therapy school in the Chicagoland area, and we accept about 75 to 85 students per year, and we get close to about 800 applicants for those 5 to 85 slots. So it's just a very competitive field. But again, I think competitiveness is something that's good because we're producing very, very good clinicians and we're accepting sort of the cream of the crop. So, you know, I think those are good changes, and we're moving towards what we call sort of autonomous, you know, independent practice. In most states, you can actually go for therapy services with a physician's order, and that's called direct access. And we're moving towards that. We, The American Physical Therapy Association has a vision by the year 2020. We'd like to have direct access in all 50 states. Uh, we're getting close, but there's still a few states that don't have full direct access. So if you injure your shoulder, you in a direct access state could have just gone directly to your physical therapist and they would have evaluated you, come up with a treatment plan, and then have treated you without the physician's referral or order. In a you still have to go to your physician to get that order, and we're really trying to move toward independent autonomous practice. Well, I mean, it's consistent because, you know, I mean, I have a PPO plan, so the fact that I have a PPO plan means, in general, I can go straight to the clinician that I want to work with. You know, I don't have to go to my regular general practice doctor in order to do that. I mean, that's the reason why I have a PPO plan as opposed to an HMO plan. However, California is one of the states that where you have to go through the physician in order to get to the physical therapist. And so I was rather surprised at that. And I was just like, you know, if I felt like my shoulder needed help and I needed to go to, if I wanted to go straight to you, I wouldn't have. I would have had to go back and the physical therapist that I'm working with said, yes, that's exactly what would have to happen in California. So I could see that the shift is going to be coming because consumers are going to demand it. Just a little bit. Yeah, consumers are going to demand because it's inconsistent with the rest of my insurance. This is the only service within my insurance plan where I have to get a referral to do it. That doesn't make any sense to me. You need to fix that. So what ways can a consumer use to identify a physical therapist that's right for them? Well, yeah, I think the first area that they can go is to the American Physical Therapy Association's website, and there's an icon or a link on that website to sort of search for a physical therapist in their area. Now, that therapist has to be a member of the ABTA, which most therapists are recommended to join, and that would be a good start. They can just sort of search for a specialist in the area that maybe specializes in the service that they need, and they can locate sort of a clinic or a clinician, you know, close to their home. But many therapists, I think, get many of their patients just due to word of mouth. You know, if you had a good experience, you'd recommend your friend to go back to that physical therapist. We got a sort of recurrent business and referrals that way. But I think the APTA website is probably the best way to sort of start to locate sort of a clinician in your area that's close to home that maybe has a specialty that you're looking for. So why do you think that being a physical therapist is on the list of the top 100 careers? 
Oh, wow. I think that it offers a number of great things. One, uh, you know, like you had mentioned, good job security and room for growth. I think that there's a high earning power in terms of money within the profession. I think the flexibility is great that, you know, clinicians can work in a number of different settings. They can work in an outpatient setting. They can become an acute therapist. They can work in a skilled nursing facility. They can do home health. There's a lot of different areas that physical therapists can practice in. So I think the flexibility within the job is exciting and enticing to people. You know, I think that, again, like we had originally talked about, just sort of the passion that people have for therapy services and wanting to improve somebody's quality of life, I think it's just such a rewarding profession. So I think that, you know, many people are drawn to the career for that. And, you know, many people that work in therapy really, truly enjoy what they do. So you are able to interact with a lot of really great people. And I think that's why it's on that list. Okay. So if somebody wanted to get some additional information about the physical therapy profession, do you have any recommendations on where they might check out or if they wanted to get in touch with you, how would they reach you? Yeah, so uh, again, the, I think the best resources is the American Physical Therapy Association's website. That's a good start. If they're looking to apply to physical therapy school, you could probably just do like a Google search and search for physical therapy schools maybe in the area that, around where you live. You know, each therapy school has certain prerequisites that they want you to fulfill, um, and they're all fairly different at each school. I mean, I think they're quite similar, but some of them may have offer a course or require a course that others don't. So you could, you know, look at each individual PT school's website. If they needed to reach me, they could, you know, call me at my work number at 708-233-5322 or email me. That's probably the best way to get a hold of me. My email is sjovanovich, S-J-O-V-A-N-O-V-I-C-H at lunc.edu and I can, you know, respond to any questions or concerns through that email address. All right. Well, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with us? No, I just think that if you're a young student out there that's thinking about, you know, wanting to start a career or thinking about a career in physical therapy, I think that's a very rewarding profession and be welcome to have you if you, you know, understand that it's a, a lot of hard work, but it'll all pay off in the end. All right. Well, I again, I thank you very much for your time today. And if you want to learn more about the college planning process, I invite you to visit our website at collegefundingresource.com. I also encourage my listeners to keep coming back to listen to more of our Career 100 podcast. At College Funding Resource, you'll be able to listen to guests like Stephen, who have valuable information to share about different careers for you to consider. And Stephen, I'd like to thank you for joining me today and sharing your background and knowledge of your field of physical therapy. Thank you so much, Felicia. I appreciate it. All right. I'd like to also thank all of my listeners for joining us today and hope you will join me again for the next installment of the Career 100 Podcast. Thank you for listening to today's edition of the Career 100 Podcast. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast, where we'll continue to interview experts in the top 100 careers for 2011, giving you the insider's view of their chosen profession. If you'd like more information about planning and saving for college and to instantly download your free copy of College Funding Resources Report, Five Strategies That Parents Need to Start Using Today to Cut Their College Costs Tomorrow, visit www.collegefundingresource.com. That's www.collegefundingresource.com. This is Kathy Davis for the Career 100 Podcast.